Hello and welcome to the podcast, Natalie Nahai in Conversation, the series that inquires into our relationship with one another, with technology and the living world. Join me and some wonderful guests as we explore how we might envision and create a more flourishing future for all in the face of accelerating technological advancement, ecological disruption and systemic change. If you'd like the opportunity to meet me in person and explore these themes in greater depth, I'd love to invite you to the Flourishing Futures Salon. This is an exciting series of intimate, curated gastronomical gatherings that combine locally sourced food and elegant wines with meaningful, thought-provoking conversation. These are enchanting, poignant and memorable evenings designed to bring together diverse perspectives with the aim of cultivating community and vibrant new partnerships. If you'd like to attend the next gathering in London, please sign up at ffsalons.com to register your interest. When we have the next date scheduled, you'll receive a private invitation and a special listener's discount. I'm excited to meet you if you choose to come. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I speak with Suzanne Pelican, Vice President of Ads User Experience at Google. In this role, she oversees a multidisciplinary team working to define and design user-centric, industry-leading experiences across Google ad products, while keeping trust, usefulness, and relevance at the centre. Beyond product efforts, Suzanne also sponsors WE, a community of women in senior UX roles across Google focused on community, connection, and collaboration. Prior to joining ads, Suzanne led UX for Google's Geo organization, where she focused on democratizing user-centered design practices. Her efforts led to re-architecting and branding for Google Maps, more verticalized and actionable local searches and transportation experiences, and merchant and contributor experiences that allowed users to get more things done in the real world. Before Google, Suzanne worked extensively on small businesses at Intuit, where she helped transform the company into a design-driven organisation, fundamentally changing how it built products that people love. Now, it's not often that I dive into the world of UX ads and marketing on this podcast, but with the upcoming changes to data and cookie policies now on the near horizon, I wanted to have a conversation that touched upon the themes of trust, business, advertising and the open internet that look set to shape our online experiences to come. Suzanne, it's a pleasure to be talking with you. How are you doing? Your fabulous glasses. <laughs> good morning, Natalie. Or good afternoon, I should say to you. I'm doing very well today. Thank you. Well, I've been looking forward to this. And I want to launch with the not insignificant question that I always offer my guests, which is what do you sense or imagine is going on in the global human psyche right now? You know, in prep for this, I listened to a few of your... <laughs> And I mean, I think all of your guests kind of respond in the same way, which is like, Natalie, that's a tough question to be asking right off the bat. Um, yep. <laughs> kind of heavy, especially, especially now. Um, like, I'm, I'm not an expert on this by any stretch. And I think we'll talk about it a little bit later about empathy. But I think that, I don't know. I mean, I think in the human psyche, it's a time of great uncertainty. I think it's a time of some instability. Um, and I think that that can be really 
difficult for a lot of people, I think for any of us at any point in time. Um, and I think that what that means is that you're just trying to find some sense of control and some sense of stability. And I think we're all trying to find that, you know, individually and then collectively. And so um, I don't think that that's prolific by any stretch, but I, I do think that that is a, that is a common thread um, yeah. in the global human psyche, you know, if we're going to talk at that mm -hmm. altitude. Yeah. Yep. I completely resonate with that. Um, and thinking about all of the turbulence that we're, that we're facing, the disconnection, the tech advance, I've, you know, I've been keeping an eye out on all of the AI advances that are happening, even in just the, like the last week, there's just so much instability, as you say, and, and tumult. And I'm wondering from your perspective, perhaps from a tech perspective, but you also mentioned empathy. So whatever perspective you want to come at this from, what do you think are some of the more helpful stories that we tell ourselves about our roles as individuals or as a species? What are some of the narratives that are giving you cause for optimism right now? Well, I mean, I think it's the power of, I think the power of technology is it can do so much good in the world. Mm -hmm. It has done so much good in the world. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have been a part of that, you know, being at this company and, and I am proud of that. And I, and I think that that's super important for us to all remember, um, you know, at least for my whole career um, and clearly, you know, here at Google, I think we care a lot about being helpful, you know, mm -hmm. being a, a servant-based company and that, you know, it's about how do we do good for any given person or any collective. And I think that that is that is that is universal. That's evergreen. That's not something that is, you know, a flash in the pan. We only do it here, but we don't do it there. You know, this is this is why and how I wake up every morning. This is how I lead teams. Um, and I think at time of great change, you just have to go to first principles. And that is that's a first principle. So when it comes to the open Internet, we know that digital ads kind of function as the engine. And this is how we access the content that we love for free and how small businesses can grow. Um, what do you see as some of the biggest opportunities and threats to the internet as we know it today? Perhaps focusing on the opportunities first. Yeah. Well, you know, digital advertising is the economic engine powering the internet. And it's a massive force for good. Um, you know, we have to remember this. It's, you know, supports access to content and services for billions of people, like free of charge. And we can't take that for granted. You know, it enables the growth of businesses, publishers, and, you know, creators, content creators of all sizes around the world. Um, this is this is massively good um, for humanity um, and has been a privilege to be a part of. Um, and it's not it's not work that's done and it's not work that we take lightly, you know? So for me, the biggest opportunity right now is restoring people's trust in ads. And we're doing that through, you know, building products like, you know, my ad center, which is, you know, our consumer friendly privacy tool, which provides people transparency and choice and control and the opportunity to actually give us, you know, sort of their 
their their needs and their expectations when it comes to sort of their ads that they want to see and the relevance that they <laughs> expect, which is very exciting. Because, you know, when when all of this comes together, like ensuring people can feel really safe online and in mm. control of the ads that they see is really critical in restoring you know, sort of trust in advertising. But probably the biggest threat is just take it all for granted. And I think that it's important that you have to continue to inspire content creation, but you have to inspire sort of the monetization of that so that people can, you know, make a living. You also have to, you know, ensure that it is content that is very valuable for consumers. Um, and I think that that's just a part of a healthy open internet that, uh, is really important to to me and to us as a as a company. <laughs> and so one of the things, because I often, you know, I often give a lot of talks around behavioral science and about the user and us being the user, you know, whatever companies we work for, um, we all consume stuff, right? And so when it comes to good relationships and thinking about the biggest drivers to earning feelings of trust and safety in particular online, I'm curious as to why you think that that's, I mean, I heard my, my own ideas on this, but why you think it's so important? Because it is clearly important. Trust, safety, uh, we've got new regulations heading our way. We've got a lot of shockwaves coming through from AI and all sorts of generated stuff. Like, there's a lot of change. So what are the roles of trust and safety? How do you see this taking shape in today's ecosystem? Well, I think the there are cornerstones of today's <laughs> ecosystem, right? I think that, you know, any any brand, any product um, that we get to use day in and day out, we have the opportunity to sort of build a trusted, you know, sort of re- relationship or interaction with the, the person who's actually using that product. And I think <laughs> that, you know, Consumers and users, all of us, are are wanting and expecting, you know, privacy, and mm. and we, you know, we, I am very committed to that, you know, and and I think that that's an important and reasonable expectation, um, and and I think that that serves as like sort of as as we're evolving and as you know as the internet is evolving, but also as the economic engine of the internet is evolving, I think that the whole industry has to really pay attention to this and take note of this. And this is some of the work that, you know, I lead on my team and it's very, very exciting. And I really (laughs) love bringing back this data and this insight and this sentiment from, from users all around the globe. Um, so that we can actually ensure that we are, you know, like we say, you know, safe by default, private by design. But it's not just a it's not just a tagline. It's like how we actually work. And um, I could delete a team to help make sure that that shows up in everything that we do every day. The other question I was thinking about, you know, the ways in which people make sense of um, data and ads is that there there is quite a lot of confusion around what data is used and where and how um, and this this really can cause a problem in terms of eroding trust. What are some of the misconceptions that you come across most often? Well, you know, misconceptions about how data is used in advertising and digital advertising are are sort of everywhere. And I think that um, if I didn't work in in ads, um, I would probably have some of the same questions. 
Mm-hmm. It's a very complex, you know, very technical space um, that has changed a lot um, in a relatively short amount of time. Um, but it's something that my team is always trying to get to the bottom of and really address. And, you know, we feel like this is, you know, absolutely at the core of our mission, like as a, as a, as a design organization, as a UX organization. Um, and so that means like really tackling some of these misconceptions, like head on and providing, you know, what we know is more transparency about how data is used or not. We know that that's super, super important. Um, and over the years of doing research, we've come across a couple of overarching themes related to data privacy. You know, number one is, you know, people saying like, hey, I don't I don't know how my data is being used. You know, often in the digital ads, you know, industry, you'll find privacy tools are maybe hard to find or they're mm-hmm. like written in like legalese and that can be really hard to understand. Um, the second thing is that, you know, people are saying, hey, I don't I don't have control over my data. Um And in order to make a change in their data settings, people, you know, might have to go through a pretty arduous or confusing, you know, process. So, you know, here, you know, and at Google, we want to tackle this differently. We want to tackle this sort of head on. You know, we believe privacy means being transparent uh, and putting choice and control back into their hands. Um, and it's central to how we build products. We've done a lot of research about this, and I'm excited that we're actually delivering that. You know, our pr- our products are secure by default and private by design. And private by design means, you know, this team, like what I'm doing and what, what I'm really helping the product organization do is actually ensure that we put users in control. So we bring this to life through... Um, through our, you know, our privacy tool called My Ad Center. Um, and it's really easy to use. And I hope that you go use it, like go search for My Ad Center and, um, you know, log in and, and, and put yourself in the driver's seat of your advertising experience. You know, you can design, decide which brands and topics, you know, you want to see ads from, which is really compelling. And, you know, determine whether or not the information, you know, uh, that we have is accurate and whether or not you want us to use it and whether or not you want to actually give us more information. That's all <laughs> all in your control so that we can actually deliver more relevant ads, you know, for you. Um, and mm-hmm. you can access it either through, you know, an ad directly, you know, there's like this little three-dot menu, you can access it there. <laughs> um, and, you know, we can even limit you know, uh, sensitive categories like, you know, weight loss, alcohol, gambling, and, you know, things like that. Like, so you can, you can tell us like at multiple altitudes, like I want more of this, I want less of this, um, which is really, really an amazing and I think one of a kind experiences out there um, to really provide that transparency and control, real control to consumers about their, their advertising experience. We're seeing it in the usage, you know, that this is really a valuable experience. You know, over 800 million monthly users are coming to it, giving us like over, you know, 300 million, you know, sort of 
data inputs about and settings on on what they want, um, and they're able to see this across, you know, search and YouTube and and discover <laughs> and and so we're we're actively seeing this value exchange and this experience of putting transparency and choice and control back into the user's hands as being something that's very compelling. <laughs> It's interesting. I think that transparency thing, one of the things I talk about quite a bit at um, key, in my keynotes and at events is how our desire for self-determination shows up in all areas of life across different nationalities, ethnicities, ages. And it's this idea that we have this, this yearning to have these three deep psychological needs met. So autonomy or agency, a sense of competence and a sense of belonging. And what you find particularly to your point around transparency and trust, which is so integral to belonging and then also to competence. You know, am I going to be able to do the things I want based on this foundation of trust with this company that I'm interfacing with? Um, that transparency often also includes our ability to give unpalatable information respectfully to the client. So I'm thinking things like, you know, in my own life, it might be a streaming service and they're increasing the price, but they tell me how much, they tell me when, they tell me why, and they give me the option to cancel. And people under um, underrepresent that in their equations of how much they trust someone or a company. Like it's not just about the good stuff, it's also about the unpalatable stuff. So that point around transparency, I think, is really key. And so thinking about the the bargains that we make, the trade-offs that we make when we're thinking about relevant ads. And when we're thinking about relevant ads, I'd like to start that question by asking you, what does that mean for you, a relevant ad for a customer? Do you think that um, that users, folks like me, are willing to share our data? It could be our demographic or psychographic data, our income, in exchange for access to content. What are you seeing there in that world? Um, so in short, yes. Um, <laughs> so I think that, you know, we've been all making that trade-off for years. Um, and that value exchange, I think, has been something that I, I think for the most part has been really well understood. Um, you go to the open internet, right? And this content is for free and you understand that like, and users have been very clear that they understand, you know, what that value exchange is. But they also have higher expectations of <laughs> relevance, right? And this is where digital advertising gets super interesting, right? It's like, how do you, how do you leverage the data that the user or the consumer is willing to share with you in exchange for a more relevant ad experience? Right. And, you know, Google pioneered this with search ads. Right. <laughs> like really what is what is relevance and what does that mean? And what are what do we need to actually ensure that we're being as relevant as possible? And what we found is that we can use less and less of your personal data to do that and use more modeling to actually be able to provide you that relevance. Now, as a as a consumer. So that's sort of what's happening on our side. But back to what we talked about before about all these findings about trust. We we found that the ability to give more choice and more control to the actual user themselves was a very compelling, very needed and necessary sort of set of inputs um, that we 
haven't seen in industry before. <laughs> and so what we provoked was, you know, let's create an actual interface that is a product where users can actually go in and deter- tell us very clearly what is more relevant or not relevant in places where they may be not they're not necessarily searching. Maybe it's on feed services or something like that. And so that came up with a, we came up with a product called My Ad Center. It enables any given person to go and say, hey, for this value exchange, you can have this information, this information, this information, this information. And then I will also tell you like, or ask for more in this topic area or that topic area, or from this brand, or from that brand. And there's nothing like this in the industry, right? There's just nothing like this in the industry. Um, And it is purposefully built to provide transparency, choice, and control. A recent example for myself, just as an, you know, of, of, of really what relevance means and how this insight all these insights and have really manifest itself in this product called my ad center is, you know, I'm going through a home remodel. It would be really helpful for me to find more home furnishing companies that I may or may not know of. Right. So that I can actually find the cool lamps or the cool (laughs) couches or, you know, like all the stuff that I'm looking for doors, you know, windows, (laughs) I'm looking for all those things right now. And I went into my ad center and I said, I want more home furnishings and I want more from these brands or those brands, whatever. And now when I go onto multiple Google surfaces, like I'm actually seeing those and I'm finding new businesses, you know, that I never even knew existed. And that, that is, that's the value. That's exciting. That's valuable. That's helpful. And it's relevant to me. Hmm. And it feels a lot more bi-directional, more of a kind of a dialogue than just sitting, waiting to be broadcast something or be like followed around the internet with an ad for something you just bought that you no longer need. Or you you had a sibling come over, they've had kids, they use your browser to look for nappies and now you're getting served nappies, you know, all of that stuff. It feels a lot more um, interactive and collaborative, which is interesting because that is new. And you know, just as evidence that this is actually working. I mean, we, I mean, we, we have, we launched this like not that long ago and we already have, like, I think north of 800 million, you know, monthly active users. So people are saying like, this is what would actually be more helpful for me. This is what (laughs) would actually be more relevant for me. Um, And so, we know we know that we have we are starting to really address this need and we and we believe that we have the evidence now about this value exchange mm-hmm. and we feel like we're we're gathering more and more of the evidence and understanding of real choice real control um and that's exciting it's super exciting mm-hmm. so thinking then because it's about data share and it's about choice and it's about being able to have some kind of sense of decision-making over what you want to receive. And then presumably from a business perspective, if I'm thinking about, I actually don't use ad, but if I did, I have friends who do, um, thinking about customers who are actively seeking them out, the engagement is going to be higher because there's a better match, which is a good thing. 
So if we're thinking about how all of us as users think about data sharing when it comes to receiving that kind of helpful online experience or a good fitting with what we're looking for in a brand that can provide that, what role do you think good design plays in making that more possible, making it easier, making it more fluent for folks? Um, I'm so glad you asked this question. (laughs) (laughs) I do love a good design. I do. This is this has been my entire professional career, right? <laughs> um, and I'm sure you've had plenty of plenty of designers on your on your show here. And I think that um, really, what's at the cornerstone of any great design, um, I believe, is empathy. And I think <laughs> empathy plays like an outsized role. An outsized role. And actually, first, being able to identify problems that need to be solved and articulating them in a, like, user-back or consumer-back or customer-back way or who-back way, you know, is the way that I sort of talk about it internally. It's like, that's very, very, very critical. You have to, you have to start there. If you start from a solution instead of starting from a problem, then then I think you're already sort of off the blocks in the wrong way. You have, to, you have to be empathic. You have to be humble in that empathy. You have to be very observant and curious. Um, and you have to be willing to go and co-design with whomever your who is. And, and I think that that, when it comes to, you know, providing choice and control and what we've done with something like my ad center, um, you know, we don't overwhelm it with a ton of, you know, legalese, which you can imagine we're trying to, we have to thread a line between, you know, sort of what, what really has to be said from a compliance standpoint, what we really want to afford from a relevance and a value standpoint and what users really can understand. Hmm. That is, is not easy. That, that's a science and an art in and of itself. But at the heart of it is like real human understanding. This, the art and the science of research and going back out over and over and over and over again. I mean, we, did, we do hundreds of iterations, you know, of the work that goes out every day to ensure, to ensure that people understand it, right? To ensure that we... We authentically are communicating and and matching our intention with the actual experience that we put out in the world. And that is, it has to come from a place of empathy, humility, mm-hmm. curiosity, right? Um, and then, you know, from that, a really deep desire to be helpful, inclusive, right? Um human, trustworthy, right? <laughs> All these things matter. Um, and, you know, I've worked with teams long enough to know that that's why people get up in the morning. Everybody wakes up in the morning <laughs> hoping to be able to have this opportunity to achieve that goodness, you know, for who somewhere in the world. Um, and design plays somewhat of an outsized role in in setting that foundation and and painting the picture of the possibility of what that can be, and also holding teams accountable for for actually attaining that. 
like in the humility of going out and doing the research and getting the evidence that you're not there yet, or you got it, you know, whichever way. And, and then that becomes part of the way that we build products, services, value, you know, in the world. As you're saying that, one of the things that I'm thinking, my God, this must be such an interesting and challenging space to work in, is that when you are in a position where your organization has to adapt itself in terms of the design it provides for people all over the world. Um, you know, yes, of course, we want more transparency. We don't necessarily want all the details. You're talking about treading that fine line, the art and science of giving people, and I know sort of when I've worked with, with companies in the world of finance, there's so much in the world of compliance, um, legalities, and you have to be really careful. I mean, one has to. Um, but Aside all of that stuff and translating that so that people don't have to go through all the details and they're not overwhelmed, there's got to be that kind of threshold or tipping point where someone using the platform, a user, me or my friends, whatever, feel feel reassured. Um, and thinking about, because I live in Spain now and I was living in London before, that that there are places where part of that reassurance is also about adapting to the cultures and expectations and norms. But I'm wondering for you, whether you want to go, go down the cultural route or not, what is that sweet spot, that tipping point where folks using services feel reassured, where there's that kind of, the exchange is right? It's a bit of a complex question. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's a complex question if you're expecting like a, a very specific answer, but actually it's not that complex of a question, right? If you go back to first principles, if you just go back to first principles, it is about really understanding and caring about your who, whoever that is, right? <laughs> and that means the responsibility of knowing and being able to define what great will be when you are done. There's no perfect like rubric for that, <laughs> right? There's no perfect rubric for that. I mean, we are constantly sort of, I, you know, I, I'm constantly in pursuit of, of having more sophistication in knowing whether or not we have really hit that sweet spot, right? <laughs> I want I want that sophistication and I want those nuances at a broader scale. Um, but what I know for sure is that even if I don't have that at scale, I have the processes and the and the craft and the people that I get to work with day in day out that understand that is a core responsibility. It's a core responsibility to know what that tipping point is. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, then you don't know when you're done. So all the problem saw, you know, all the problem definition, you know, when you actually do this type of work, you have to first articulate the problem. Then you have to articulate what great will look like. <laughs> and then only then do you actually get to start to create solutions. <laughs> And I think that that is, you know, that's part of the, I think that's part of the joy of being a designer and, you know, <laughs> being a problem solver is like sort of understanding that. And it can be a very iterative, you know, an iterative practice, um, but very compelling and very exciting. And it can be applied to, it can be applied to so much. It doesn't have to be applied just to a a a, a digital product experience or a digital ad experience that can be applied to organizations. It can be applied mm -hmm. to policies. It can be applied to processes. You know, um, and I think that that is 
that's just, it's the process that helps you define that tipping point. <laughs> and I'm guessing, you know, with the process, a lot of what's important to the way in which you guys work is is the emphasis on research that is ongoing, that allows you to build a body of understanding, a body of knowledge. Um, and some of your more recent research, looking into the nuts and bolts, unpacking consumer views on privacy in particular, which has been huge and continues to be a pressing concern, and transparency, which you've mentioned. When you were looking at privacy and transparency, which are clearly interrelated, what were some of the insights that stood out most to you and to your team in terms of things perhaps that you weren't expecting, perhaps some of the things that you kind of had a hunch for? Um, yeah, what, what came out of that research? Yeah, I mean, I think that I sort of spoke to a little, some of this earlier. I think first and foremost, it was, you know, defining what it actually even means. You know, I, I find like in the industry or even internally, like when I'm working with teams, you know, we all use like language or words where maybe my definition of relevance is different than your definition of relevance. Right. You have to come to some common territory of understanding. Really do. <laughs> and not amongst ourselves. Like, I mean, part of that has to happen, right? So, so wait, wait, if we're going to work on relevance, like what are we really talking about here, Right. Um, you have to do that, but you have to, again, like in that, in the spirit of that humility and curiosity and like, you know, service to your who, you have to go calibrate on what that means to them using their <laughs> word, understanding really what does that mean. And I think that, you know, from a privacy and trust standpoint, we had to go back to the basics, right? <laughs> we had to go back to like actually defining that. We could all feel it. If I if I ask you, like, well, what's trust? Yeah. You know? I'm thinking now, actually, how would I even answer that? Um, but yeah. Right? So it, it, it becomes it becomes this thing. It's like you know it when you have it, but how could you describe it? Yeah, you're moving that sensation into kind of a, a verbal template or map of the territory. And not only that, like pillars, a way to measure it right? A way to measure that consistently for all parts of the ecosystem. So if we go back to like what I was talking about earlier, you know, like my job is, you know, really to, you know, to lead the an, a design organization, a UX organization, which includes researchers for the ads business, you know, at Google. And part of that means that I am responsible for experiences for, you know, end users, for publishers and for advertisers and all their marketers and their agency partners and that and so on and so forth. So so when it comes to defining something like trust, we had to go out and find that out and define yeah. that for all parts of that ecosystem. And that's been a you know, that's been a, a couple years worth of work already. <laughs> and we do not consider that complete. We're constantly <laughs> learning and understanding. It's like, okay, well, when we launch a feature like this, you know, is that is that actually aligning to a trustworthy sort of, you know, um, a trustworthy re a launch, you know? Yeah. Why, why not? Do we actually understand what we're trying to do? Why, why not? Um, mm -hmm. And so remaining sort of curious and accountable to 
really the promise that needs to be sort of created and maintained is super important. I think it kind of goes back to your very first question about like the global human psyche, right? It just, I want stability and part of stability is I need a little bit of control. That becomes a big part of what we have to do. And there's you know, the, the research is just so compelling and it's, it's just, it keeps coming in and basically saying the same thing. As you're talking about trust, I kind of see it as the, and you would use the word ecosystem, which I think is, is, it really captivates the internet at large and all of the things that make up what is an evolving nodal system. Um, I'm curious when you're talking about trust in your research, how trust overlaps or is different in terms of definition from these different stakeholders? Because you're looking for the points of convergence, right? We were talking earlier about matching um, customers with brands so that everyone feels that they're getting a, a positive value exchange from the relationship. We already talked about that, weaving it in. Where are the sweet spots in terms of trust? Because it's a complex equation to navigate. Sort of comes back to like providing users with something like my ad center where they have that choice they have that control they have that transparency where they could say you know i mean i'm sure this has happened to you where it was like i thought i saw a really cool bag like the other day <laughs> i saw an ad for a really cool bag i couldn't remember what the name of it was i just yeah, remember yeah. what the shape of it was I remember, I'm a visual person, so I kind of remembered like what the background was. I was like, it was a tan bag, like, but I couldn't remember what the name of it was, right? I could go to, you know, something like my ad center and like go look at my ads and go, that's, there, there it was, <laughs> you know, which is super cool. Or, mm. you know, the ability to do that with, you know, my husband where I'm like, there was this like... There was this light, light fixture that I thought would look really great in the front room, you know, taking screenshots of that, sending it and saying, hey, what about this? You know, that mm -hmm. is super, super compelling. Like when we can kind of get all that like sort of singing together, it's a win, win, win. Also, I'm thinking with, with um, so we're recording this in November, but with Christmas not so far away and on my birthdays in January, I think this is actually a great way to get an advice on what to buy for your partner or for your kids for Christmas. Just going to have a look. Um, so you've talked already about some of the examples of good design practices, principles that can help build trust and privacy and autonomy, which I think is crucial with consumers. Are there any other design principles or practices that you felt really drove the creation of My Ad Center? Because it's, I'm struck by the fact that historically, giving customers more control is quite an uncommon step to take. And so it's really intriguing. Yeah, I think that this is what we need to really lean into when it comes back to like sort of the first principles of great design, great product. It is like really listening, like really understanding what your who is trying to say to you. And like, just don't fall in the trap of doing exactly what they say, because that's, they're not, they're not necessarily able to articulate that. I think that part of the art and science is about, you know, really, uh, really understanding the latent needs and being able to absolutely like, you know, articulate that and then inspire a whole organization to do something about it uh, and then mm. really surprise and delight 
Surprise and delight, you're who. That's so interesting because I think that, and again, it's this kind of, it makes me think about how um, historically people will say, you know, if you'd asked people back in the day before cars were invented, what do you want? They would have said a faster horse. So it's like the intention is there, but the execution is what's familiar and not perhaps something that's perhaps more creative or different. How do you get a sense for what these latent needs might be? Because that's where creativity and innovation potentially really comes into its own. Well, I mean, it's about interfacing with your users or non-users on a regular Mm. basis. I mean, that's where where research and human-centered research, user research, actually uh, really thrives as a craft, as a discipline. So we're coming towards the end of the interview, but I would like to unpack a little bit more because it's come up various times and it's really important, not just to the world of technology and our careers and UX and and human-centered research, but more broadly, empathy. I'm curious what it means for you. What empathy means for me? Mm. I often talk (laughs) about it as about understanding another person maybe better than they understand themselves. That means that you have to really genuinely and authentically want to really understand what's going on. And, and that, you know, sometimes like sort of the, sort of the breadth of that can go beyond any given problem statement. You have to understand the broader context and that can be, that that's so important, right? Empathy is really, really going beyond just sort of understanding what's happening in the, in the micro interaction that you would have the privilege of having with any given customer of yours. It's, it's really going beyond that and understanding the privilege of being part of something broader in their experience. To me, that is empathy. And that is not just in my professional life. That's certainly in my personal life as well. I, I think that that's an incredible universal life skill that I wish upon everybody. You know, I have three kids and I you know, try to instill this very deeply and model this behavior where it's just, you know, you have to, you have to go beyond what is sometimes the captain obvious that you can just see. You have to be curious and inquisitive and genuine in your in your desire and want to understand more. I love that. The wanting to, to understand more, that kind of movement towards that curiosity that's that's really the driving force. So um, before we get to the last question, we know that there's some big changes coming up. When we're thinking about, for example, the deprecation of third-party cookies, which is going to rock the tech world and the ad world and the marketing world, how can or perhaps should the industry come together to meet this challenge and to build an internet that we, the users, feel safe with? I mean, this is... (laughs) Yes, another tiny question. (laughs) Tiny question. Um, And uh, I think... So it's a a very big change, no doubt about it. But the ads ecosystem has to evolve. Right. It just has to. And users have been super clear. Right. They've been super clear that their expectation of privacy is sort of at the core of like the next evolution. Mm-hmm. And and they want to feel protected and they want to be able to trust the ads that they see. And we are super, super committed to that. Um, 
I know we play a pretty large part in the digital ads ecosystem, and so we're we're modeling that um, in everything that we do. Um, I think that we need to be able to fund, you know, quality journalism. We need to be able to fund the open internet and content for all, and so that you know all businesses of all sizes have that opportunity to to grow and reach, you know, reach people everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the the deprecation of third-party cookies at the back half of next year, it's all rooted in being more private and more safe. And, and that is, by first principles, like, hmm. absolutely the right thing to do. Um, but it's going to require a mindset shift. Yeah. It, it really is, like, across the entire industry. You know, a cookie-less future is, like... You know, still something that I think a lot of a lot of people are trying to get their heads wrapped around, like practically speaking, like what's this going to look like? And I hope that, you know, from 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 what I'm trying to do with my team and what we're trying to do as a company, you know, we're approaching this future absolutely from the core with understanding first principles of really what matters. And that is a private you know, private by design future, um, where we can also ensure the success of all parts of the ecosystem. And I think, you know, we will continue to invest here. We will continue to embrace like first party relationships to do that. We will leverage like technology, like, you know, machine learning and AI to like sort of model ourselves into that, um, into that future, into those, into that value that we so are responsible for, you know, providing to all parts of the ecosystem. And, and we're really looking forward to that. Um, I think that, you know, one of those, one of those design principles or tenets that, you know, we have all heard of in our, in our lives is that creativity thrives in constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is just yet another, moment of inflection for us as an industry and it's a responsibility um and and, you know a whole big part of that is you know putting control back into you know back into people's hands and and we are committed to doing that here and i'm really really feeling privileged to be a part of this inflection point Um, but i feel like we are very conscious of what it will mean for all parts of the ecosystem. And we are, we are putting everybody front and center as we, as we transition into this future. And it is a big and exciting and interesting future. <laughs> Watch this space. So if people want to learn more about you and the work that you're doing, where are the best places to find you? In my office or in design <laughs> reviews. <laughs> um, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, this work is... It's profoundly important, and I am I'm I'm very committed to helping you know our organization and our company be you know successful in helping provide the value to everybody in the ecosystem. And it just means that if I'm not here at work, Natalie, like I'm raising three kids in a suburban home and a <laughs> dog, um, oh. and and I've chosen to spend my time like that. So you can. Find a little bit on LinkedIn, uh, but hopefully you'll find me and a lot of the work that I do in all the products that you use every day at Google. And 
and go find me in the in the quality of the experience that you have on my ad center um, and the relevant ads that you see on search on the relevant ads that you see on YouTube. Um, and if you are an advertiser, I hope in the amazing experiences that we're providing you in, in our entire advertiser suite of products. Thank you for listening to Natalie Nahai and Conversation. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating and a review. It means a lot to me to read your support, especially as this is a self-funded project into which we pour our love and time and attention. To find out more about my work and how to get involved in my projects, you can head over to natalinahigh.com, explore additional books and resources at natalinahigh.com forward slash resources, and check out the gatherings I run at ffsalons.com. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Natalina High. My thanks to Caro C for producing. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to sharing more with you in the next episode. <laughs>